I would say to him while he was hiding under the dining room table, crying and saying, I don't want to go to school in two days time. I would just very calmly and very lower my voice. Don't match his chaos. Always lowered my voice and brought some calm in and would say, I know going to school is hard, but you can do hard things. And eventually he started to say it with me. And he would say, going to school is hard, but I can do hard things. I'm Sarah Kearns and welcome to the podcast. This is a safe space to discuss the topics affecting everyday families. Let's take an inside look into our own realities and the realities of others. We'll learn together as knowledge creates empathy. Empathy shapes the way that we act and those actions can change our family and those around us. This is The Conscious Project. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. I thought today I would do a little solo episode on something that I get asked about constantly across my social media. We've been quite honest and open about Finn and his anxiety and how as a family we've we've really tried to support him through that. I was um I was shocked to to find out that anxiety could present in such a young age. We had our first little boy and he was just such a calm, chill, go with the flow child. And Brad and I are such spontaneous and fast moving people that we've had no experience with having anxiety or supporting somebody through anxiety before. So when little Finney came along and got to that two and a half, three mark, I just thought he was hard work. And looking back now, I just think, how did you not know that he needed that support? But hindsight is a beautiful thing, isn't it? And, you know, I, I'm a strong advocate that, you know, you only know what you know and we didn't know and we can't judge ourselves so harshly on what we didn't know. And I would just think, why is everything such a battle with you? Why is leaving the house such a fight? Why do I have to fight you to get you to just put your shoes on and get in the in the car? We need to go out now. And I just I just thought he was hard work. Finn was about two and a half when we put Knox into preschool three days a week. And that was sort of the trigger for for things to be different for him. He wanted to be with Knox and it was quite evident that his big brother was a source of safety for him and a source of security. Um, He started wanting to sleep with him. We got Knox a double bed because every night Finn would jump in with Knox and he would sleep. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about his sleep a bit later, but at two and a half, he would sit at the front door for hours and demand that I either take him to Knox or bring Knox home from preschool. And after weeks and weeks of this, I finally just went, you know what, I'm just going to enroll him. 
I'd not sent Knox until he was three. Um, I was home and I thought, well, there's no real need for him to be at, at preschool. But it got to the point where I'm like, this is clearly what he wants. So I enrolled him two days a week with Knox and he just thrived. He just lived his best life. And there was never a tear at drop off. He was excited to go and it was brilliant. And then Knox went to big school and the train just derailed and it wasn't a slow sort of derailment, but it was intense and the tears started at drop off. I knew there would be a transition to Knox going to big school. Obviously, our a lot of our focus was around Knox being at big school because he was our first child to start kindergarten here in New South Wales. The first year of formal schooling is kindergarten. So it was a huge deal for the family and a big transition for little five-year-old Knox. And Finn had friends at school and he had the teachers that he loved and he had never, ever shown any anxiousness about going to school before. Drop-offs became a nightmare and I would dread them. I would dread preschool days. He would koala onto me. He would be hysterical. I would be prying him off me, trying to give him to the teachers. The teachers would say, it's okay. It's a transition period. We have to keep pushing through. It'll get better. It'll get better. They set up a whole range of techniques at school for Finn. And it was just such a difficult time walking out those doors into the car, I would sob and just, it went against every motherly instinct I had in my body. I felt like I was betraying the very essence of who I was as a mother by walking away from him in his time of need. And I know that so many other mums and dads and carers have experienced this before and the pain and the guilt is just overwhelming. And the school would message me in five minutes time or I would give them a call and they would say, yes, he's calmed down now. He's settled in and he's playing and you can, you know, go go along your day like everything's okay. But I would know that the next day was coming and I would start to stress over that as well. And it it just started to consume our lives. Finn's anxiety then began to present in other situations. So swimming lessons became a huge trigger for him and I just didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't, it took me a little while to realize that it was the anticipation of the activity as opposed to the activity. So I just thought he doesn't like putting his hat under the water. He feels a little bit scared in the pool, but he would cry hysterically on the way to swimming or when we arrived. But then once it was his turn to swim, he would just stop and he would just get into the pool. So I began to realize that it was actually the anticipation of the activity as opposed to actually doing it. And I just didn't know how to deal with it. So my first trick was to not tell him anything. And I basically just sprung his life on him on the fly. And it was the worst thing I could have done. On the way to swimming, he'd be he would know the the route and he would start saying, Is it swimming today? And I'd be like, No, don't stress about that, don't stress about that. And we'd pull into the car park and I would say, Okay, Finn, it's swimming lessons. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, that means he's only going to be upset for a couple of minutes because I know he'll calm down when he gets in the pool. So I'm saving him, you know, the night before and the whole morning of being upset and, and scared by just springing it on him, he's only going to be scared for a short time. So I thought I was helping him, but 
now when I look back, I think that was like basically imagine you had a full day planned and your planner is filled out and your to-do list is filled out and then somebody took it away from you and how overwhelmed you would feel knowing that things had to happen and they were just going to happen to you and you had no control over what came next or the knowledge of what came next. So that didn't work. That was an epic failure. So then I would start to prep him in the car on the way to there. So he would have 10 minutes of crying and and fear and and then you know he would try and recover when we got there but that wasn't sustainable either because by the time we got to the pool he was so exhausted and so emotional that it was he was really struggling to recover so we began to prep him in advance and it's not easy it is incredibly draining it is a lot of hard work but it was working for him so we would go from me saying Today's Monday and in three days time it's swimming lessons day and he would cry and sit under the dining room table and sob about how much he hates swimming and I would have to talk him through that and Brad would help me and we would as a team and as a family we would support him through that even though some days you were just like Finn I just haven't got the space for this right now. I've got three little kids. They're under the age of five. I just need to get you guys fed and into into bed and you're bringing up what's going to happen in three days' time. We'll worry about it then. But, you know, just being really conscious of that's what was so important to him and to help support him through that. So slowly we began to implement things that gave him some control. And obviously he needed to go to school. We couldn't take that away and we couldn't let his anxiety win. And we needed to arm him with some techniques and give him some control over the knowledge of what was going to happen so that he felt like he was, he had power over his day, even though he couldn't control exactly what he was going to do, he could control the knowledge around what he was going to do. So we implemented a few different things. The The most effective was a calendar. And I had tried different calendars along the way with the magnets and things like that. But the most effective for us was every Sunday night, we would sit down together with a little portable whiteboard, just a little small A4 sized one. And we would draw his day and he would draw you know, Monday and have a picture of school and he'd draw the chickens and his school and all the things that reminds him of school. And then Tuesday we would write mummy day and then Wednesday we would write the swimming pool and we would draw all of the the little symbols to him that he understood. And we would do it all the way to the weekend and put family day where we would put a picture of the lake or the beach and and he would know and little stick figures of mummy day or daddy day with the family together. And we popped it on our fridge. And for him, that was an easy reference that gave him the knowledge that could empower him about his week. And we noticed a massive difference with rather him having to ask me all the time, what's tomorrow? What comes next? What are we doing this afternoon? He could go to the fridge and go to where we stood it next to the fridge and refer to that as many times as he wanted without having to even ask me and give him that control over his knowledge. We implemented a mantra and that mantra was simple and it was going to school is hard, but I can do hard things. 
going to swimming is hard, but I can do hard things. And I'm not saying that these techniques are going, you're going to say it to your child once and a light bulb's going to go off and that will be the end of their tears because it doesn't work like that. The work is hard. It is draining. It is consistent. It is not stopping and not giving up, even when you are struggling to find the capacity to do it with them. But it works. So eventually he, I would say to him while he was hiding under the dining room table, crying and saying, I don't want to go to school in two days time. I would just very calmly and very lower my voice. Don't match his chaos. Always lowered my voice and brought some calm in and would say, I know going to school is hard, but you can do hard things. And eventually he started to say it with me and he would say, it's school tomorrow. And I would say, yes, it is school tomorrow. And he would say, going to school is hard, but I can do hard things. And slowly as the weeks went by, he would hold on to this mantra and he would say it and the tears stopped and it gave him some control over his space and his body and how he was going to react to a moment that was really difficult for him by repeating this simple mantra. And it can be anything that works for you or and for your child. But I found that it was it was a very empowering sentence. And it told Finn that I believed in him and not in his anxiety. And I think that is such an important thing to do because if we try and protect them from everything that that triggers their anxiety, we are reaffirming to them that the thing that they're anxious about is actually terrifying. If they're anxious to leave you and have that separation anxiety, we're reaffirming that being away from you is hard by saving them and avoiding any of the times when that would happen. So we really need to give them tools to to access to be able to deal with these situations, but we need to do it in a way that validates their fears but not reaffirms their fears. Finn's sleep has always been rough and looking back now, I can identify that it's just a separation anxiety from me. So even as a baby, he was a terrible sleeper. But as we moved into toddlerhood, he would need to sleep with us all the time. And not that that bothers me, but he's one of those children that he just can't ever relax. So sleeping with him was really difficult. He would lay on top of you. He would hit out in the night or kick around. or And I just couldn't get any sleep at all. So we implemented a mattress next to my bed. So just a spare cot mattress we had, we popped it next to my on the floor next to my side of the bed and had it always set up for him. So he was sleeping with Knox from about two and a half and that we still would sit with them to go to sleep. But having his brother there gave him that extra layer of security and he's lucky enough to have a brother that is so kind and compassionate that he knew that that helped Finn so that he was willing to do that for him. And then through the night, as he woke, up, rather than crying out for me and, and being overwhelmed, he had a technique he could use. He would just hop up, wander into my room, lay back down next to me and go to sleep on his little mattress. So there was, I would be very firm with him because by this stage I had a newborn teddy. 
So I would say there's, you can't wake me up. You can't wake the baby up that's next to the mattress in his little bassinet. So next to my side of the bed, I had the mattress and then the bassinet. So you can't wake us up, but you can come on in. You can snuggle up in your little mattress and you can be close to us. And that all of a sudden I would wake up, you know, to Teddy or in the morning and I would see Finn all snuggled up on his little mattress, happy as anything. And he got a good night's sleep. He had something, a tool to use for when he felt overwhelmed and I was getting more sleep. So win-win. Once the anxiety really presented around school and that separation, once Knox went to big school, the nights went bad and they were really bad. He was beginning to have night terrors. He would have full-blown panic attacks. Um, I remember one night he was violently vomiting and I'm like, oh, you poor little thing has gastro or some kind of awful bug. And I'm supporting him through that thinking, oh, he's just unwell. And he looked at me it got probably got to about 5 a.m. And he said to me, oh, mom, I'm so sick, but I'm going to have to go to school. I'm going to have to take my bucket with me. It was probably about three by this age. And I said, oh, no, darling, you're not going to school today because you're sick. And it was like a light bulb went off in his head. And immediately he stopped vomiting. He perked up. The color came back to his face. And he's running around playing with his brothers and it blew me away. And I just thought there is more to this that I need to investigate because if that was a bug or a virus, he couldn't have recovered that quickly. And I had seen how unwell he was. He was not putting that on. He was literally vomiting, physically sick. And that was the moment where I went, okay, there's definitely more here that we we need to work through with him because the constant stomach aches, the constant nausea, he would say, you know, in the lead up to school, oh, my belly really hurts. Um, I feel like I'm going to be sick. I can't eat breakfast. All these things now I look back and, and think that was a sign that his belly wasn't coping and his body wasn't coping and it was presenting that way to try and explain to the rest of us what was happening in his little mind. Today's episode is brought to you by Oval Collection, beautiful jewellery engraved with powerful messages. Oval Collection is designed and created by a mum for other mums and their kids. The jewellery is simple and elegant and has messages engraved such as, you got this mama. As I found with Finney, a visual reminder can be so powerful and comforting to a child suffering with separation anxiety or in overwhelm. Oval has a range of children's bracelets for boys and girls with the words, I can, brave and strong engraved on them. I've ordered one for Finn that says, I can. A little reminder when he's being dropped at school or feeling overwhelmed during his day that he can do hard things. Use code Sarah for a generous discount at ovalcollection.com. That's code Sarah at ovlcollection.com. So this takes us to 2020, the shit fight that was 2020. And we had just started to make way with Finn. We had started with a psychologist who was helping us with different tools and techniques. 
this preschool had gotten chickens and we were so excited to see them hatch. They were all in their incubators ready to go. And then Corona hit and the world went into lockdown. And I, as the kids' schools closed, so Knox's primary school closed and Finn's school closed and amidst the chaos there was this little boy who all of a sudden was living his best life. All of his dreams had come true. Everybody was at home all of the time. Nobody was going anywhere and he wasn't needing to go anywhere. And he got to be with me and Knox and his dad and Teddy all of the time. So every day he'd wake up and he would say, what are we going to do today, mum? And I'd say, just stay at home, babe, because his calendar became just home days every day. And I would just say, we're just stay at home, babe. And he'd go, all of us? And I'd say, yes. And he goes, daddy's working here too? Because that was a huge thing for him. Dad would work out of the home Monday to Friday. And generally, the boys wouldn't lay eyes on him because he'd be gone well before they woke up in the morning and not get home until after they were asleep. So they became used to really only seeing dad on weekends or calling him. So he would say, dad's home too. And I'd say, yep. He'd go, your home? And I'd say, yep. He'd go, Knox is home? I'd say, yep. And he'd go, great. And walk off and find something to do. And he just, it was his time, I think, to reset and to regroup. And he just had that those few months of just living his best life. And as time went on and I could see how happy he was, I was terrified and I just thought, there is no way I'm going to be able to get this child back to preschool. Like, it's just not going to happen. I'm I'm literally going to have to just pull him out for the rest of the year and start again next year because he just... It's just so unfair that he had made so much progress to have it pulled away and I felt like we were going to go back to day one and it was so overwhelming. But then I'm looking at him and he's just so happy that I thought, well, maybe this is is what he needed. Maybe he needed just some time at home. It went against everything the the teachers were saying, the psychologists were saying that, you know, you need to keep him in the school and keep supporting him through and not not reaffirm that school is scary, which is what you're going to do if you pull him out. Or, you know, some days he just wouldn't settle and I would just say to them, oh, I'm just going to take him home today. And they'd say, oh, leave him and see how he goes. And the days he was super upset, I just couldn't. And I would just take him, put him back in the car with me and say, we'll try again tomorrow. But they would all, all of the professionals were telling me that you're reaffirming to him that this is something to be scared of. So all of a sudden, this forced lockdown, I was so scared. And it was telling me of what they had told me, that was now our reality. And how on earth was I going to get him back to school? So once the schools reopened, we began to prepare Finn. So we used the primary school as a base for that. However, that kind of messed us up a little bit too. So the primary schools in New South Wales began returning children to school one day a week and it was by house colour. And so Knox is blue and he would go to school every Friday. 
So they told the kids that they would do that for two weeks. And then the week after that, they would start going two days a week and they would do that for two weeks. And then they would go three days a week and slowly build themselves up. However, at the end of the second week, as I had told Knox, okay, next week, you're going to start going two days a week. They just sprung it on us and went up. Everything's a lot better now five days a week next as of next week the kids are back at school so we quickly went from still very much living in an isolation style life to the world was open again and it's open from tomorrow and everyone is expected just to go back to how things were so once we had that notification from the school we began to prep Finn and it was as hard as I had expected When I told him the preschools were back open, he immediately ran and hid under the dining room table and just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I just remember messaging my mom and just saying, I'm just not going to send him back. It's just not worth it. I can't do this to him. I can't cope with this. I have a baby to look after. I have a kindergartner, a year one child, sorry, to, to look after. We have homework. We have all of the things that needs to happen. I'm working from home as well in the midst of all of this and I just can't do it to him. I just can't watch him him go through this. And and I remember mum saying 100% follow your instincts, whatever you think is right, but keep doing what you're doing with him because it's working. And And sometimes it gets really hard to even see if it's working when you're living in the moment. So we kept doing what we were doing. We kept doing our mantra. We kept doing our calendars. We, I think we had probably a two-week countdown to go back to school with Finn. So we did a big calendar. We did a month-long calendar. And we popped school on the bottom of that. And we started prepping it down. And every single day we would cross off the day that had been and he would look to where school was there was a little picture of a school building with the chickens and he would cry and say I don't want to go to school and I say I know but I know going to school is hard but you can do hard things and the closer we got the better he got and I expected his emotions to be heightened as we got closer to that day. I expected that once we got to just a few days before that little box on our calendar that his emotions would be at an all-time high, but they weren't. He was calm and he was rational and he started talking about wanting to see his teacher again. And he would tell me little stories about riding the bikes with his little friends. And and I just saw this, this little boy coming through that said, I want to do these things. I want to be able to go to school and enjoy school and I love to be at school I just am so scared and I need you to help me push through that fear and we just kept pushing and little by little day by day it got better and better we created with the school's help we created a photo lanyard and a little photo book that basically hung on a lanyard around his neck. So we, the school, were incredible with this. This was their idea and we sent them all the different photos. We sent some with their cousins, some with the, of his dog, um, photos of him cuddling Nanny, photos with me, and we put them all in a, they laminated them for him 
and put it into like a little book and hung it around his neck. So that became a security item for him. And if he, when he went back to school, he would wear it around his neck. And that was a little source of comfort for him that worked really well. And it worked really well. And we realized that a way to get through to Finn was really through these visual stories. The calendar was working so well, the lanyards was working so well, and we realized that he's such a visual learner and that's what made him feel empowered. So we began to reflect every single day on the day that had been. And I found that the best way to prep him for things that were going to repeat again, say swimming lessons, school, um, even things like going out on our boat, anything like that, if he could watch back the footage or the photos of the day and he would relive his enjoyment in those activities, the next time we went to do that activity, he would get less scared in that anticipation period. So every night, actually Brad worked this out, every night when Brad would sit with him to go to sleep, he would initially he just wanted me and Brad was trying desperately to help me out because obviously we had the three kids and the baby was being breastfed to sleep and I couldn't be in two places at once so I'd often have be feeding Teddy on the end of Finn's bed with Knox and it was just you know doing home readers and it was all a bit hectic so Brad was desperate to help and he would try and sit with Finn to go to sleep and he would sort of say, not you, I want mum. So Brad pulled his phone out one day and he started showing him the videos he had taken of the boys that day. And Finn loved it. And Brad said he could see how much peace it brought Finn. So we began implementing it every day. And every day uh, when he went into bed, we would jump, grab our phones and we would show him the photos and the videos throughout the day. And he got to relive them and and that brought him so much peace into going to sleep. So I think that a mixture between all of these things taught us that that was the best tool for Finn. We then began to implement the photos and videos on the way to the activity. So on the way to swimming, we would give him our phone and we would have little snips of him swimming at swimming lessons where he was happy and smiling and relaxed and and he would watch them the whole way to swimming lessons. So by the time we got there, he would go, oh, I love swimming and jump out of the car and walk inside. And we were like oh, over the moon at this. We had gone from this child who was hysterical and would get to the pool exhausted and overwhelmed to this like happy, carefree little boy who knew that he loved to do something and actually felt empowered to own that and to own what he was going to do and to just allow himself to feel calm and feel peace. I hope some of these things have helped. I hope There's some takeaways in here. I have a couple of blogs on separation anxiety and they have some photos of uh, Finn's lanyard, of his calendars we've drawn and just little tips that worked for us and sharing in hopes that it will help somebody out there. It's one of the most common things I'm asked about on my Instagram because I think the difference in Finn has just been incredible. He was terrified of being on the lake. He was scared of being on our jet ski. Brad actually went out and bought a small boat so that because Finn was too scared to go on adventures on the jet ski and he didn't want him missing out. So he went and bought a little fishing boat so that Finn wouldn't miss out. And and now 
he's getting on the jet ski and he's loving it. He's begging us to take him on the jet ski every weekend just because we have taken so much time to just slow down and try and help him through it step by step. And I hope that somebody out there can listen to this and go, oh, I'm going to implement that. And they can see a little bit of improvement in their little ones. When a child is suffering with separation anxiety or childhood anxiety, it affects the whole family. And it is so hard to go about your day after having a terrible drop off at school. And I think that as a parent, you know when it gets to the point that it's not just a bad drop-off anymore, that it's actually affecting them physically as well as emotionally in the lead-up to school and it's starting to consume you as a family. And I think when you get to that point that it's so important to reach out to others that have been through it or go to your GP, you can ask for a mental health plan even for little ones and that will give you five visits to a psychologist at a reduced rate. And don't be afraid to put your hand up and ask for help from these professionals, even when they're only three. I had no idea that three-year-olds could be anxious. I honestly thought a lot of it was behavioral. And now that I know this, I hope that by sharing our story, others can get something out of it and help their family live a little bit more peacefully. Thanks for tuning in today. I would love to continue the conversation with you over on Instagram at the Conscious Project Podcast. Hit subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. And I would be so grateful if you would take a moment to leave me a five-star review. It really does help. Take care.